Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. I want to invite you to take a Bible and open to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew will be in chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, we've been tracking through the Gospel of Matthew this Easter season, and uh, Matthew has a very distinct and unique presentation of the Gospel message. It's been so exciting for me to be able to study this and prepare it, and I couldn't be more excited to share with you these words today from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath... Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. Have you ever gotten really excited to see something? Such that you wanted everyone else to see it. And, and, and I mean a kind of excitement that kind of makes the people you're telling and trying to convince to come see it with you uncomfortable. Like that kind of excitement, right? You're like, oh, oh, okay, well, come. Just chill out, you know. We're, we're on our way. No, no, no. No time for chill. We got to go, right? That's what Matthew is doing today for us. He he is excited to show something to others that he has seen and that he wants others to see. He wants us to see something in this passage. He commands our attention with a strong, startling proclamation. He cries out, behold, behold, to focus our attention on that which he wants us to to see today. And what is it? Well, I I bet most of you know, or maybe you have a sneaking suspicion of what it is. It is a man walking out of a grave, resurrected to life from death. I don't know about you, but friends, that's something worth startling others with a cry, behold, is it not? I mean, this is the kind of thing that, that, that doesn't happen on a daily basis. As a matter of fact, this is the thing that's never happened before. But because of it, for all who believe, he says, 
will happen again and again and again and again and again and again and again for everyone who does believe. Friends, Jesus Christ was resurrected from death to life. He was raised from the grave to rule as Lord. Why is Matthew so intent on helping people see the resurrected Lord Jesus? I think there's two principal reasons. The first is because as you study Matthew's gospel and who Matthew was and the intended audience that he was writing towards in the first century, he was writing from and towards a predominantly Jewish mindset. So the way that Matthew talks about things comes largely from a historical context that the Jews would have held for their worldview. And everything he writes towards is a writing towards the fulfillment of that promise, that worldview or Jesus as the promised Messiah of God in the Old Testament. But the second reason that he writes is not just for the Jew of the first century, but he writes with a holy urgency that commands the attention to demonstrate to every person that will ever live the one who is the answer, the fulfillment, the satisfaction for the longing of every human soul. And that's what he is beholding to us today. He's commanding our attention. He's beckoning upon us with the greatest of holy urgencies that he can command all of these centuries later. And he's beckoning upon us to look and see, behold, the one who has come, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. What are you looking for today? What are you looking for? Are you looking for maybe an answer, a decision or a solution to a situation in your life? Maybe where you find yourself today, you are looking for a way around, a way through or a way out of where you have found yourself ended up. Perhaps you're looking for a different, a better, a reboot or a new life. What are you looking for today? The way that Matthew presents the record of the resurrection of Jesus Christ beckons upon each of us to ask of ourselves, what am I looking for in my life? Because whatever you are looking for, friends, the most potent words for you are the most earth-shattering, life-altering words ever uttered. He is not here. He has risen As he said. That changes everything. Everything. And friends, if these three phrases, these simple words, have not changed everything for you, Matthew beckons upon you today, as do we all who know the Lord Jesus. Behold him today, and let the power that brought him out of the tomb be the power that brings you from death to new life in him today. Nothing has nor ever will matter more than this truth, that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. For Jesus is resurrected to believe, to behold him as Lord, and to bow before him 
in worship. I, I want you to see what Matthew is saying to us today, that Jesus was resurrected, that we might believe in him, that we might behold him for who he truly is, and that we, as they did, might bow before him in worship of him with all of our life. I want to trace Matthew's words by the markers of his behold today, the way that he commands for us to look at the Lord Jesus and to see him for who he truly is. And I want us to see three simple truths today that we might see the power of the resurrected Lord Jesus in all of his glory and believe in him. He begins with the picture that's a very ordinary picture for that day, a picture of two women who are coming to the tomb to give more burial treatment to the body that they laid to rest just a couple of days earlier. This is a simple act of love. It's, a, it's an act of grieving and of mourning. They came to make sure that the body was fully prepared and adorned for its burial process. Now, it may have been completely satisfied before he was placed in the tomb, but because of their love for him, there was just one more moment that they wanted to adorn his body with the spices of burial preparation. And they wanted to mourn his passing by the presence of his physical body before it passed as well. The image we see is one of a grieving mother and a grateful friend. To study the life of Mary Magdalene, we know, is to study the life of a lady whose life was in the deepest recesses of a cesspool of sin. And yet God saved her out of that and makes her a glorious first witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Friends, understand this. That there is no other historical account that would use two women to verify in this day and time this witness. But God says, that's who I will choose to use. And so Mary Magdalene comes from the lowest recesses of sin's dark depths. And rises to the highest testimony of resurrection in Jesus Christ. And she's accompanied by another Mary in the traditional sense, not much is said, just the other Mary. But it is assumed and presumed upon the readers that they know who this Mary is. It's the mother of the one who has passed. And so these two women whose lives have been forever changed are presented as the first witnesses of Jesus' resurrection. And against this natural backdrop, the supernatural pierces through with glorious light to, as Matthew will say, behold what God has done. The first truth that he commands for us to behold and to believe is simply this, that Jesus was resurrected from the grave to rule as Lord. Jesus was resurrected from the grave to rule as Lord. Listen, friends, Jesus went into that tomb, a man who gave up his life and deceased from living on the earth. But in the true nature of who he was, he was resurrected to walk out, to rule and to reign highly exalted as Lord of all. When Jesus drew that first resurrection breath, Matthew records 
the whole earth shook. Before people even knew it, the creation knew it. Right? I, I love Matthew's record through the end of his gospel because he demonstrates that all of creation from that which is the physical order upon this world to the cosmos and the heavenlies demonstrates they knew the resurrection of Jesus Christ before people ever knew that it was taking place. Matthew's showing us that our picture of the resurrection is too often far too short-sighted. But, It was not short-sighted nor missed by all that were present. And the heavens have sent their messengers to make sure that we know all are aware. The angel descends to roll away the stone and sit above it. And he sits to welcome one who's exited the tomb, but also to welcome those who come to see it. The humble carpenter turned powerful teacher is laid to rest, that was laid to rest within, has exited as victorious and exalted Lord. Jesus was resurrected from the grave to rule as the Lord of all creation. The whole cosmos has responded to this event. In history, friends, let us not give short-sightedness in our own recognition of what has taken place on this day of celebration. All creation and the cosmos responds to Jesus' resurrection. Why? Because he commands all of it. There is no border. There is no boundary. There is no barrier, neither of rule nor of law, neither in the natural order, neither in the cosmic order or in the supernatural realm that Jesus does not fully command. This is the picture that Matthew is painting for us to behold and to see. Jesus is the author. He's the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the end of it all. He conceived it. He made it. He holds it together with his authority. And he is the climax of it all in him and in himself. This is the picture of the resurrection. Paul writes in Colossians 1, 15 to 17 to echo this portrait himself. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and in the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things hold together there is nothing that is nor shall ever be or ever was there is no operation there is no ultimate aim that is outside the dominion and the rule of Jesus Christ this is the picture that Matthew is painting for us. What flashes of creational control he demonstrated while on the earth by commanding the wind and the seas and them responding automatically. Their own full glorious display in his resurrection. When Jesus drew his first breath of resurrection, the whole cosmos inhaled. Can you just see it? There he laid, hands nicely crossed, body appropriately adorned for its last resting place. And in an instant, 
the body that was steeled. And the whole cosmos comes to life. This, friends, is the magnitude of the resurrection. This is not just a a moment of entertainment for the church. This is not just a a moment of pause for creation. This is the moment of life that re-enters all that had died. The earth shook and the heavens thundered because the place of death was done. Jesus was coming out of imminent importance in the resurrection. And of his account is this. All creation and the cosmos and the heavens itself respond to Jesus' death and subsequently to his resurrection. Just as Jesus commanded creation in his life by the power of his word, so in his death and in his resurrection, he commands all creation as the living word. And that's what Matthew says. He is not here. He has risen. Just as he said. Amen and amen. While the things of this earth were coming undone, though, listen to me, the things of heaven were glowing in glorious, brilliant array. For Matthew describes that angel perched on that stone in this way. Like lightning and his clothing was white, as snow. There is a brilliance to this writing in our beholding of it that is blinding. It's a mental picture that makes one squint in the reading of it. For the angel's image is made more vivid by its effects upon the soldiers that were guarding the tomb. Trained killers rendered paralyzed and powerless as dead by one thing because they were struck with fear. When you think about this, It's astounding. These were men who were trained and who had learned to never fear anything. And yet when the power of God broke through by the resurrection tomb, they could not help but be struck with the fear that paralyzed them as dead men. All the power of the world was not prepared For that resurrection brilliance. Brilliant glory strikes so near that it renders the soldiers dead in fear. Friends, here's what we see. Fear doesn't work the same for all people because of Jesus. While the guards were dead by fear, two women's fear had turned to great joy. Can you see this? Maybe we might say in this passage in the first century that the strongest of society were rendered dead in fear and the weakest were overwhelmed with the same fear that was turned to joy because of the one who had welled up within them. The angel speaks and he turns that deadening fear to overwhelming joy. And what he proclaims is the greatest truth ever spoken in any language, yea, in every language. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. What beautiful words of invitation. And with these words, 
Hope against all hope is manifested in the hearts of all who believe. Friends, this is what turns dead, paralyzing fear into overwhelming joy. For the Lord of all creation rules the highest of his creation, people at his coming to. Jesus' glory strikes with overwhelming power that either metastasizes the death of unbelief or detonates the overwhelming joy of faith and hope within. Behold, Matthew says, Jesus was resurrected from the grave to Rule as victorious Lord. He is the living word for you to believe and to receive new life by his resurrecting power. And then from this first truth, he leads us to see that just as all creation responds to Jesus' resurrection, so the highest of his creation also has a way in which a right response comes. Look at verse 7 and verse He tells us, then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And again, he startles us with his, behold, behold, he is going before you. The second truth that Matthew beckons upon us to see today, to behold the risen Lord Jesus, is this. That Jesus was resurrected from the grave for all to see and behold him. Jesus, friends, was resurrected for all to see and behold him. What are you looking for today? The angel tells Mary, both of them, to see the empty tomb, invites them to come and to see it. Even, yea, the Spirit of God invites us to see today. Then, he says, go quickly and tell the other disciples. Their sighting of the resurrection was not the only nor the last one, friends. Two of the four uses of the Greek word for see or behold, that word idu here, two of its uses are used in verse 7. Look with me again at verse 7. And behold, he says in the middle of the verse, he, speaking of Jesus, is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See See, I have told you, I have told you what you see and now know you go tell others and by telling others are able to behold. For the angels told, the angel told the ladies to go tell what they saw for others to behold. What an interesting phrase for us to look at. See, I have told you. Well, which is it, Matthew. Did you show us or did you tell us? Yes. Ah, we've returned to preschool where that wonderful little game of show and tell comes full measure circle back to us. Where we can see from what we hear and behold the one who has come. Is this something for us to see or is it something for us to hear? And the answer is, in fact, yes. For the message of Jesus' resurrection is not simply about that which is visible, but that which was visible now is made known to all. And Jesus is the one who is going forth to lead his people to spread the word to all the world. While everyone cannot see as we often think of the empty tomb on resurrection morning as that date has passed all who hear what has been told can behold the resurrected lord friends that's what i want you to see today 
that that's what Matthew is beckoning upon us to behold today is that just because you weren't there on that morning doesn't mean you can't see the resurrected Lord Jesus in all the glory that he has come to bear. We stand before you today as those who've beheld the risen Lord and we tell you he has risen, he is alive. See what we have told you. Behold him for yourself today and believe in order to receive him. Jesus was resurrected for all to see and for all to hear. He is exalted before you today in resurrected glory so that you can behold and believe. Will you? Will you? And this leads to the third glorious truth that Matthew beckons upon us, that we must not miss, friends, that not only is the Lord Jesus resurrected from the tomb as Lord of all creation and the cosmos, and not has he gone out for others to see and to behold him, but it tells us in verses 9 and 10 that the ladies go to tell others. And along the way, Matthew captures one powerful moment more for us look at verse 9 and behold listen to me friends of all four beholds this likely is the most important for us today for this very reason because if we neglect this behold we reject the first three and behold Jesus met them The ladies go to tell the others, and Jesus meets them. I don't know about you, but until this moment, all we have evidentially is an empty tomb, a rendered as dead guard, a big stone, inconceivable how it could have gotten moved, and a really bright dude sitting on top claiming to be an angel. Just the facts, friends, just the facts. He's saying Jesus was raised from the dead, but there is no body. I mean, in fact, how do we know? How do we know that that they hadn't done something with it? As a matter of fact, this was the claim that immediately got put forth. Oh, they took it and they did something with it. And had Jesus just been raised from the dead and, and that was it? then I guess it would be left a little bit to our speculation, to our assumptions or presumptions about what in fact had happened. But Jesus didn't leave it to that. Jesus, along the way, met them. And friends, this is the power of the resurrection. These two ladies who loved Jesus so dearly and beheld his resurrection at the empty tomb now would bow before him in his presence to worship him. That's what they did. They fell down before him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. What a beautiful image. Love fulfilled. Love satisfied in every dimension, depth, breadth, height, all of it completely satisfied. And then Jesus sends them on in joy to tell the others. Matthew shows how powerful and rewarding it is when we behold and when we believe in the resurrected Lord. This, friends, worship 
worship is why Jesus has come and why he sends us to tell others. We bow to worship Jesus in his presence and we bear witness to him personally of his resurrection power in our lives for all to see and to hear. And here's the third truth that I want you to see from this. Jesus meets you today to invite you to worship him and to bear witness of him. And behold, Jesus met them. Friends, I want to tell you something I want you to understand because of the resurrection today that I want you to ever forget. Nobody finds Jesus. Nobody finds Jesus. Jesus is pursuing you. And today, here in this place, including everything that has come before, every instance, every circumstance, every situation, every decision, every longing, every disappointment, every heartache, every overwhelming joy, Jesus was in the middle of it crying, come and see. Here I am for you. This is the behold that Matthew wants us to understand. From the moment of his resurrection, it is the Lord Jesus himself who came out of the tomb going forth to meet people with saving new life. He is here today to meet with you. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter who you're with or what you become, nothing will ever be more important or meaningful for you than to behold and believe in the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ in your life. Jesus wants you to hear today and see him. He wants you to hear the gospel account and the testimony of those who were there on that day. He wants you to hear the testimonies of the faithful witnesses who have traversed the ages since then. And he wants you to behold the testimonies of his witnesses who are before you and among you and all around you today. He is no longer in the tomb. He has risen just as he said. He is here to meet you. Jesus wants you to know personally the new life of joy and peace that he gives. He is calling every person today to behold and to believe in his resurrection power. For some to worship him as worthy where they've neglected him. For many others to believe, yea, for the first time. And to be made new as that creation that the resurrected Lord alone can do. Will you behold him today? Will you believe such that you bow before him in worship and bear a faithful witness? Jesus was resurrected to believe and to behold him that you might bow down before him in worship. Do you know Jesus personally today? Have you beheld who he is because of what he said such that he has come into your life and become a consuming center of who you are as a new creation? 
Friends, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus today, this is the reason Matthew beckons upon us to behold the resurrection. This is the power that God wants to place within your life by a personal relationship. And when you hear the word, when you see the resurrection, when you believe what he has said to you and behold him, he makes you new so that you can live with him for eternity. Will you do that today? Let's pray.